everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of Brewer Magazine, the podcast. I'm your host and the publisher of Brewer Magazine, Tyler Montgomery. In this episode, I think we touch on one of the most vital aspects of... Hold on a second. Never. In this episode, we are touching on the most vital aspect of owning your brewing business. Of course, it goes without being said, making great beer is really big deal. What happens when you make really great beer and you put it in your serving tank and your customers kind of hit that lull and they're not coming into your tap room anymore, but you're trying to distribute, you're trying to gain more customers. At which point, what do you do then? Answer sales. Sales is the number one aspect of owning any business, brewing industry, any other industry worldwide. If you can't take people and turn them into a sale, then you're missing out on a major portion of revenue for your business. In this episode, we really focus 100% on taking that marketing concept, which is so crucial to your business. And I hope all of you all have really focused in on some of our podcasts in the past, uh, maybe our YouTube videos or anything in the print, digital editions um, that really focus on marketing. But in this episode, our editor, John Seacott, he caught up with Jared Babinsack and Burt Boyce from Santa Fe Brewing Company. Uh, Babinsack is the director of sales and marketing and Boyce is the brewmaster. They just go into the sales concept of their brewing business and what they have done to make sales, understanding data, um, really tracking the sale um, and making this um, making this a really successful uh, aspect of their business. Um, I just really hope you sit back and, you know, while I know your time is very limited, sit back, take some time, get you a coffee, get you a beer, and really take in what's going on here. Understand the sale, understand what you're doing, write down the tips of what you're doing, what they're doing, and contrast. See what's different, see what's working, see what's not working. Um, but we have to figure out the sale and how you go from marketing to sales. But as I always say, and you'll want me to shut up now, we're going, without further ado, to our editor, John Seacott, speaking with Jarrett Babinsack, the Director of Sales and Marketing, Burt Boyce, the Brewmaster, Santa Fe Brewing Company. I hope you all enjoy. Please consume this. See you on the other side. Cheers. I mean, I think that kind of the analytics and the numbers from the you know, Brewers Association and some of that stuff kind of speak for themselves, but you can really feel it um, when you're out working some of these out-of-state markets every day. Mm-hmm. You know, distributors, um, share of mind is more of a challenge now than ever. Uh, there's a, a ton of breweries, obviously. Things continue to move more hyper-local um, across consumer goods you know, not just beer. So I think, you know, we, we looked at it and we started to set some thresholds for ourselves on what makes sense in some of these markets from an ROI standpoint. Um, and we also looked at long-term from, you know, strategically what gives us our, our best chance at success. Um, and it's, you, you know, the volume at home is obviously more profitable. We feel like it's more sustainable long-term um, because our brand's more relevant, you know, with it's just more sustainable long-term volume that we can plan on. And it made sense um, from an ROI standpoint to spend the money here on building our brand, building our brand in the states 
that share a boundary with New Mexico versus trying to, um, you know, be the next big regional brewer or try to enter all 50 states. It's just, as we sat down and penciled it out, the incremental investment it would take to go chase those incremental cases in each of those markets just didn't make sense. Um, and we can kind of see the writing on the wall with a lot of the, the industry press lately with the regional breweries just kind of getting squeezed out from both sides um, and, you know, getting over leverage, making big investments to be able to fulfill that volume um, when there's really not a lot of incremental profit to be realized there. And then there's, there's a lot of risk, too. I mean, once you get yourself on the hook on those investments that it takes to go chase that volume, um, you know, looking at it long-term, how sustainable is that volume? And are you going to be able to, to, to pay off, you know, all that debt that you took on to go do that? So we just thought it made, it made more sense. To, uh, let's focus on what we can control. Let's focus on where our brand's the strongest, and let's really go deeper instead of wider. Mm-hmm. And that does seem to be that thought process now. Um, what, when did that thought process change? And, you know, what, what, yeah, give, give me kind of a timeline on this. I mean, how has this uh, changed for you guys? You know, we're, we're at a place now where we had to make some critical decisions, and this was oh, maybe, what, during annual business planning last year, probably, like October-ish. We were out of Louisiana before that, though. Yeah. So, well, not this year, last year. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, probably October 2016 yeah. when we set okay. up business plan for 17 and we started looking at production realities, um, growth forecasts for our own home markets, wanting to launch some new brands. We, we started to look at it critically then and say, you know, this just doesn't make sense for us to have these resources being applied here, here, and here when we could use them to a higher advantage here at home or in markets where we feel like there's higher volume upside and we, we already have a stronger presence and more relevant brand. So we sat down, we pulled out of a couple of states, then um, last year being Louisiana and Nevada. Um, we have, so those are the only two that we pulled out of so far. So our, our footprint's down to eight states at this point. Um, you know, talk about, like you said, going deep. Uh, did you see pockets in New Mexico that you could capitalize on and how has that uh, process been so far? So, I mean, we really kind of let the data point us in that direction. When you look at IRI, um, you can see just how dominant the IPA style is within the craft segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we sat and we looked at our portfolio critically and we had at that point kind of the New Mexican flagship Happy Camper IPA with the iconic Z on the packaging. Um, uh, and, you know, in the off-premise channel, the, the, the highest volume skew in the craft segment is that Happy Camper six-pack can. But we didn't have a more um, contemporary West Coast aromatic style uh, IPA. So we, we looked at, at that as a big opportunity for us. And so that's, that's what really spawned the um, the 7K IPA brand launch um, from from last calendar year, and so we thought that was our biggest volume play last year and our biggest opportunity was mm. to launch a new a new IPA. And so that that's what we put a lot of our energy and effort and investment behind last last year. And you know we'll talk about the beer a little bit, Bert. Um, you know how how many iterations, how many different. Uh, you know, experiments did you go? I mean, what, did you know where you wanted to go and got, were able to kind of hit it early, or, you know, was there some uh, R&D involved? Uh, both, I think. 
Um, yeah, we had, we had an idea of what we wanted the beer to be from day one. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of drew from what I, what I think the drinker actually wants versus what, you know, the, uh, the vocal minority is telling us they want. Um, drawing from some of the things I love about New England IPA, um, and leaving behind the things I don't like about it, um, drawing from the things I love about West Coast IPA and leaving everything else behind. So ultimately we decided we want a beer that's really aromatic. Um, it's got kind of a soft, oily mid palate and a fast, clean finish. And, um, and it doesn't really fit into any, any style in particular, but, but that's kind of what I figure people want. That's what I want. So it was easy to kind of hone in on it. Um, but then it did take quite a few iterations, a couple of small batch runs, just like small scale R&D. Then we actually did three 30 barrel batches, each that had its own unique one-off name. We just kept releasing some IPAs that and we didn't say why we were doing this um, until we were ready to launch, and we got closer and closer each time. Excellent. Um, you know, IPI, or, uh, uh, IPA is obviously um, dominant, but I think another uh, look at, at numbers, and, you know, Jared, you agree with me on this, is uh, bringing in that uh, consumer that might not be an IPA drinker or a stout drinker, but you're, you know, they want their, their loggers and their pilsners. How has that market um have you guys been able to capitalize on it? Yeah, it's it's still fairly far down the list from a volume sure. contribution standpoint, um, but we are seeing drinkers come back to that style. I mean, the success of 805 and some of those style brands is kind of indicative of that. You know, obviously it's, it's a blonde, but you know, not a, a pilsner or a lager, but that kind of easy drinking, not a lot of aggressive um, hopping. Uh, we have Freestyle Pilsner was in our seasonal lineup last year. Um, Drew Syndicate said it was the, the number one U.S.-made German-style pills. Um, it's one of, I think, our better beers. I, I love that beer. And so we started to look at, again, look at our portfolio critically and say, okay, what are some of our weaker links? Where where can we um, do some skew rationalization on our own and replace some of our slower performers with, um, with higher volume upside, and we looked at that style within our portfolio as an opportunity. And so um, last year, we made the decision to replace Santa Fe Gold with freestyle pills in our portfolio on an everyday basis, and it's, it's performing really well. We expect as the weather warms up, um, that it'll even, uh, even pick up more uh, for us entering into those, the warmer summer months. But yeah, we, we see it as a long-term opportunity, um, but at this point, it's, it's not nearly the uh, the volume play that that the IPA cat or IPA style is. Sure. Talk about the importance of the IRI and how breweries can you know leverage that to their advantage. Um, you know, instead of sometimes people come into this business not understanding the numbers and how important are those numbers to helping grow? Ah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, is, this isn't my wheelhouse, but I, I think that Jared and I, when when we started working together, we're, we're both of the same mindset that um, our decisions have to be data-driven in general. Um, we all have our opinions, and sometimes our, our heads are in the clouds a little bit too much, and uh, and it's easy to get uh, – it's easy to let yourself get lost in that. And I think it's really important to just refocus on who your drinker is, who the consumer is, how many of them are there, where are they buying beer, uh, and what is the data telling you, and then – um, it, it makes it makes the decision making process that much easier. 
Um, so yeah, we we're, we're we're I would say we're very data driven. Has that always been the case? I mean, how 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 important has it become for you guys over the years? It's become it's become the driver now since since Bert and I joined the team. So I think in the past, and this is probably more industry in general than even Santa Fe specific. Sure. But, um, you know, we're very reliant on our data. We're as Bert said, we're we're using it to drive decisions um, as opposed to just kind of having it. And I think that's where maybe some of of the Brewers fall short is how are you utilizing that data to derive decisions? And so, you know, we have um, access to DIP, IRI data, et cetera. But when we're, we're sitting down and we're looking at our portfolio, looking at, you know, new, new brand opportunities, um, how we focus our salespeople, how we're utilizing our resources, we are spending a lot of time in the data and trying to really suss out what's going on and, and using that to drive our decision-making. And Bert, uh, you know, Jared kind of brought up uh, new beers, and in that release, you guys had talked about some new beers. And give us a little preview. You know, I think you guys already have the the one, the darker, the dark lager out. I mean, what else is, is coming down the line here for Santa Fe? Yeah, so Lust Garden was our uh, well, we we made the um, I guess time will tell if it's the right decision. Uh, we made the kind of gutsy decision to go from three seasonals last year, uh, which had its own set of problems to five seasonals this year, we kind of flipped the other way and wanted to shorten that selling window, give give our wholesalers one chance to 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 uh, place orders, and we, we thought that that would allow us to transition a little more quickly from seasonal to seasonal, stop treating them so much as seasonals per se, but treat them more as specialties, but going all in and actually getting cans printed and, uh, and going after it like a seasonal program. So the first We'll call it Q1, even though there are five quarters for us this year in the seasonal side. Uh, Q1 was uh, called Lust Garden. It was a dark lager that was neither a Schwartz beer nor uh, a Munich Dunkel. It was just kind of somewhere in between. But we wanted to build something that would support um, a big aromatic raspberry presence. So we used a lot of raspberry puree, but then um, drank and finished like a dark lager. Uh, I, we were all really happy with the liquid. T- um, I, I don't know. We'll Again, we'll review and we'll figure out if it's the right beer at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But happy with the beer. Our current one right now uh, for March and April is Twisted Root, and that's a ginger and lemongrass. Uh, light, snappy, crisp. Um, again, aromatic, moderate palate impact, and fast finish. You, you see the direction maybe we're going, or maybe that's just my personal preference. I don't know. Um, but so uh, fast, flammable, um, ginger, snappy. No hot presence, really, so to speak. Um, kind of modeling after, uh, I love Reed's ginger beer, but apparently we're, we're, I would say it's lighter than that, but, uh, but still, you know, it's, it's a six pack drinker. Um, uh, coming up this summer is a, uh, still in development, a lime peel and agave farmhouse. Uh, light, again, snappy, meant for hopefully the summer that's about to come around the corner here. And, that that's going to kind of round out our our first first half of the year. Okay. And where where's your style coming from and your your ideas? Is it something that is data driven, portfolio holes that you see need to be, or is it something that you're coming up with, your team's coming up with? All exactly, all of the above. <laughs> uh-huh. it, you know, if it's if it's just a little one off brew or something, anyone here, myself, any of the brewers um, that come up with a good idea and, and have tested it. We'll just throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. 
Um, but for something like this, we have a, a small R&D brand team here of, of people that, you know, that I trust and that Jared trusts, and we get together every couple of weeks and, and talk about what's next and what we can do. And um, I think it's important to really trust the people around you that, that also work here, that also spend a lot of time in the market and spending their own money to drink. So uh, we, we try and tap all the resources we have available to us. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. You guys obviously kind of talking earlier about, you know, investing yourselves in New Mexico. Um, you guys got a new tap room coming up. You're putting more into the original facility. Uh, you know, how were those decisions made, and, you know, where were you seeing the reason, the reasoning to go this way? So I think it's just kind of all part of that strategy on really planting our flag here in New Mexico. Um, you know, we're New Mexico's original craft brewery. We've been around since 1988. Um, we're one of the oldest and largest breweries in the Southwest. Um, Santa Fe is obviously a big tourist destination. I think having Santa Fe in the name of our brewery has been, um, you know, maybe our, our biggest uh, piece of equity as we transition to out-of-state markets because I think Santa Fe means something aspirational to a consumer, um, kind of regardless of whether they've been here. Um, at least they have something in their mind aspirational about Santa Fe. So we really wanted to build our strategy and our positioning around New Mexican culture, around New Mexico's original craft brewery. And part of that is really making um, our brewery a destination for people when they're visiting our state. So, you know, putting our a new tap room in downtown Santa Fe for those people who are staying on the plaza, um, who, you know, might just be walking around and have that opportunity to interface with our brand and locals down in that area as well. And then we're investing heavily in our site, our, our manufacturing facility um, out on the south end of town right now as well. And we expect that tap room project um, and beer garden to be done sometime early fall. So we're looking at September right now. Um, so it's really all part of that strategy around New Mexico's original craft brewery and investing and being kind of synonymous with New Mexico, New Mexican culture. How does this all add up to growth for you guys? Like, you know, what, where, where are you, what did you want out of this and do you feel that this is, how did you feel this is going to be the right strategy? Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's, it's adding up to growth, just kind of looking at the data. Um, yeah. You know, we, we finished up last year. Um, plus 28 in our home state. So far, year-to-date, we're tracking at over 50% growth versus Q1 in last year. Um, so the data is saying that we made the right decisions, that um, adding the resources here at home from a sales standpoint, launching some of these new brands, the seasonal changes, the packaging changes, um, the emphasis on our core market when it comes to calling on retailers and distributors and our chain partners, um, all of those things are adding up to really robust growth for us right now. So, um, we feel really good about the decision we made. We're, we're continuing to invest behind the things that we feel are working, um, and we're, we're seeing that, that growth trajectory is not slowing down. It's picking up. Um, so we're feeling pretty bullish right now. And John, I would say on, on the capital side, you know, how do we manage this? Um, it's, a, it's a constant work in progress. So there are two years in a row we've gotten pretty far down the line with brew house suppliers and then ultimately pulled the plug at the last minute, kind of at, at our trigger point where either we either do it now or we don't have it for next year. And two years in a row, we've decided that we can live with the capacity we have. Um, hmm, okay. But we, we invest incrementally on the things that allow us to grow 10, 20, 30% a year um, that, that don't, you know, put us in a, in a risky financial position. 
Mm-hmm. And But the big decision point for us is, are we going to put in a new brew house that will more than double, almost triple our capacity and, you know, allow us to become a regional brewer, but also force us to become a regional brewer? And so we want to delay that decision as long as possible, um, focus on local profitable growth until we've really kind of tapped that resource as much as we can. Um, and then, and then if it seems like it's still a good idea to, um, chase, chase the demand and the volume that seems to be out there, but we know isn't going to be as profitable and we still think that it'll pay for that new brew house and, you know, rationalize the, the culture change and everything else that comes with it, then, then we'll do that at that time. At this point, it's, it's just buy a couple tanks, um, modify our existing equipment to make it a little uh make it higher quality and a little more efficient and we just keep playing that game for as long as we can